We shall continue the reading at Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 to 12. It's on page 807. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Jesus was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people, Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had happened, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring bring me the word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. (coughs) When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Please keep your Bibles George, thanks. I think uh, we've got uh, a couple of uh, uh, dangerous uh, activities going on behind the screen for the uh, younger ones. So uh, I think Abigail and Ruth are going to uh, hopefully not warm us too much by setting the place alight, but they're going to be playing with fire uh, around behind the scenes. Now, the rest, just to say we haven't lost them for good. Um, They will be returned to you at some point. Uh, But... Uh, what we're going to do is to look at that bit of the Bible that was just read by George. So actually, in this case, although the writing was on the wall before, uh, it would be helpful to just turn to uh, that page, wherever it was, 800 and... Let me find it here, and I'll tell you. Because uh, it just would help me if you've got that bit of the Bible open in front of you. Uh, as well as I have. So that's page 807. And before we start proper, maybe I should also say that uh, uh, it is 
very cheeky, isn't it, when people stand up in front of people and then they sprout and no one gets the right of comeback. That's not fair. So after I finish and I'm done, you can start. Throw all the rotten eggs you want, well, verbally anyway, and you can fire me and shoot me down if you like. And if there are any questions, come back and ask as well. Uh, we're trying not to confuse people, but we just do that naturally. So it helps us not to confuse people. If you come back and say, that was confusing, can you explain please? And then I can do a better job maybe next time. Before we start, uh, being someone incompetent, let's uh, ask God to help me. Uh, so let's pray. Our Father, we do want to thank you very much that when we study the Bible, uh, we do learn good things about you. And we pray you'll help us to do that tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, it probably is slightly too early to wish you a happy Christmas, isn't it? But it is generally happy because it is the one time of year when we try and give people what they want. And therefore most of us, if we're lucky, end up with what we want, more or less. Sometimes we have to get their fair meals, means or foul, so you have to do a bit of manipulating, you have to do a bit of arm twisting, and that reminds me of the story of a young lad who wanted a mountain bike for Christmas. Came from a religious, religious family, so they didn't write letters to Santa like most kids, they had to write their letters to Lord Jesus. So the first letter started, Dear Lord Jesus, I have been good for a whole year, Please, may I have a mountain bike? But he was a lad with a tender conscience, and he realised that wasn't quite true. So he starts his second letter. Dear Lord Jesus, I have been good for a whole month. Please, may I have a mountain bike? But even that wasn't right, so that got scrunched up. And the third letter started. Dear Lord Jesus, I've been good for a whole week. Please, may I have a mountain bike? And he knew that his mind was too devious to even claim that. So... With his devious mind, he came up with an idea. Went downstairs. In the porch, the family had a little crib scene. And he picked up the little plastic figure of Jesus, went back up to, up to his room, put it on his desk, started his fourth letter with great confidence. Dear Lord Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again... And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it is true, isn't it? It's not just kids that are nasty at Christmas, uh, and we know they are, uh, but actually we're going to read the story of someone else who was and beat them to it. So tonight we're going to give the, wise, uh, the, 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 the angels and the shepherds a rest. We're going to go straight for the one man who really, really hated Christmas. We read about him in the passage that George read to us earlier. Now, you might say, well, he's not quite the only one who doesn't like Christmas. There are lots of people who don't like Christmas. In fact, the Samaritans ran an ad that said, I wish the baby Jesus had never been born. I'll leave that up so you can take the number if you're, if you're, if you're wanting it. Uh, but uh, it just goes to show they were in touch with people who didn't like Christmas because it meant that you were on your own, you could be hungry, you could be very cold. And what they were saying in their posters, not that actually people hated Jesus, it's just that they didn't like the season. It was nothing against Jesus personally. But with Herod, it really was. 
he did not want Jesus around that Christmas. And he took that as seriously bad news. And what they're going to do, therefore, is to see that there are two reactions to Christmas in that first Christmas, and they're kind of like the reactions that are around this Christmas as well. There are two different reactions you can see from the picture. There's Herod on the one hand and wise men on the other. Let's look at each one in turn, see what we can learn. First, we're going to pick on Herod, and uh, I just want to get him across you for this. Um, it's just that uh, we've got people who who drive buses and stuff, so they need all the help they can get to. To know, to, to know who, we're, who, we're, who we're talking about, right? So we're into King Herod, but don't start booing and hissing yet because it actually starts quite positive. If you look at verse 8, he's actually sounding quite positive, isn't he? He says in verse 8 that uh, he, go and search diligently find him, when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Starts off with Herod sounding pretty much like the wise men. Ah, if only I didn't have all this pressing business in the palace. I'd be with you all the way. I'd go and worship you myself, with you, with you myself. But I can't leave at the moment. But come back and tell me and then I'll be on the first bus to get there too. So initially it sounds like his quite good news. He comes up with this sort of veneer of uh, worship, if you like, and uh, he wants to make it look like his into all that's going on as well. It's only when he realizes he's been tricked that we begin to understand that actually he'd taken this new king news quite badly and he wanted to get rid of him in verse 16 onwards to get the blood going. But if you want to know why he was acting like this, have a look at verse 2 because you can see the clues, same as I can. Have a look at verse 2. What's the title given to this baby in verse 2? King of the Jews. Verse 3, what's the title given to Herod in verse 3? Same title. That's the problem. Because if there are two kings, one's got to step down. And if there's a king whose arrival has been announced by a star, then this is universally greater than Herod could ever be. Because he never had that when he was born. So he understood that this new king meant that he would have to stop being king and be part of the new king's kingdom. And that wasn't such a good idea as far as he concerned. That's why he hated it so much. Now, he, Herod, hated it in a kind of unhinged sort of way. 
he just goes way over the top in the way that he wants to get rid of the king. And that's his style. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but outside the Bible there's history as well as in the Bible there's history. And in the Jewish history outside the Bible it says that this King Herod uh, even killed a couple of his sons when he thought that those guys were after his throne. There was a saying in his kingdom that it was safer to be Herod's pig than it was to be his son. Just in case you're wondering, it's because pigs are generally safe with Jews. <laughs> but sons worked, not if their dad was king. And it's true, he was a nutter, if you look at the length that he went to, but he wasn't on his own. So I'm missing out my little button clicking here, but let me say that the reason why he was cross is because there's another king there. But also, uh, he turns out to be a killer. That's part of uh, Jewish history and well known. But the point is, he wasn't on his own. This was a common reaction. If you look at verse 3, it wasn't just Herod. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. I guess the people in Jerusalem had kind of got used to Herod being the king, and the thought of a new king would be quite unsettling for them. Who knows what changes the new king might bring? We get along quite nicely with the old. Now, I think that makes it quite similar to the kind of reactions that we have around us today. Now at Christmas time you'd think that generally we'd be happy if people heard that God had turned up to help people with their problems. You'd think generally that was a good thing. But when the God that turns up starts using king language and therefore the implication is that there is a leader now that we ought to be looking at and looking to and someone we should be following then we begin to say, hold on now, what changes might that bring? I'm not sure I want them. That is what Jerusalem felt as well. And I must admit, I'll put my hand up and say, that's what it was like me, our church. Our family uh, didn't uh, uh, grow up to go to church very much. Uh, but if we did go once, I suppose it would be a Christmas. And I can't... Uh, count up the amount of times I've sung Oh come let us adore him like we did at the start without actually meaning it but that's a Herod isn't it to kind of do the outward religious thing but really that's not a king that you particularly want and so that's Herod we don't do it in a baby killing kind of way as he did but we can be a lot like Herod in our saying yes, but no. And that's where uh, we'd like the story to end. But there is another part of uh, the story, a different kind of reaction. And Superman did it quicker, didn't he? <laughs> you have the telephone box. <laughs>
I'm more, I'm more the kind of Liberace changer. <laughs> you need to say, you need to, can I remember Liberace? <laughs> He did it in the commercial breaks, but Rob wasn't quick enough on his feet to give you one. <laughs> so, go from Herod, and uh, you see that actually his reaction was not just uh, the first Christmas, but a contemporary response lots of people make today. Let's go straight to the wise men, in case you're wondering. That is what I now am. So now you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> now... You, you could laugh, but actually, it's a bit like that with these guys. They are slight oddballs, aren't they? I mean, they turn up from nowhere looking for a Jewish king. They've seen a special star in the sky that told them that there was a Jewish king that had been born. Now, I guess from that, that they were able to look at their atlases and say, right, okay, well, Jewish kings hang around Jerusalem. We'd better go there. If one's been born, that's probably where it is. And they go to Jerusalem, therefore, on the strength of what they know about the Jewish kings, not because there's a star leading them all the way, but then when they get to Jerusalem, it's someone telling them from the Bible that they go off to Bethlehem in verse 9. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, where was it? Sorry, in, in verse uh, uh, 6, they hear... The Bible tells them to go to Bethlehem. That's where the prophets wrote. Incidentally, I hope you realize today that all the kind of things that were spoken about of Jesus in that kind of history part, that is, eyewitnesses, like Rob was saying, tell us what happened with Jesus. But before any of that happened, like in our first Bible reading, 720 years before Jesus was born, the Old Testament was spelling out these details before he turned up. That's something really easy to miss, really important not to. And so the Bible says, okay, you want a new king? Well, actually, it's to Bethlehem that you've got to go. If you want, looking for the one that the Old Testament part of the Bible is talking about, that's where you need to be heading. So off they go. And this time, that same star now appears as a kind of guiding satnav and they are able to track it to the baby. And the interesting thing when they find the baby in verse 10 is that they seem to be incredibly happy about it. And it says that, doesn't it? When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy, and they finally, therefore, uh, head for uh, the baby. And that's the goal of their mission. Now, it doesn't actually say why they're so happy. But it may be that their Christmas presents give us a little bit of a clue. Let's uh, think about them in turn. First, uh, there's gold. It's the kind of present that is fit for a king. You wouldn't take a pair of socks. And uh, maybe they realized <coughs> that actually it would be a good thing if there is a king to lead them better than they could lead themselves. And so therefore, the idea of actually there being a king that could be a personal king for them could have been the source of actually a huge amount of joy. Also, 
does frankincense. Now, frankincense was just a special kind of uh, th- uh, spice that you burnt that gave out a fragrant aroma. And Jewish people would always have frankincense in their hand if they're going uh, to meet up with God. I don't know why, it's perhaps because they, the whole thing then helped them to understand that being with God was a great experience. Now, so it proved to be true with Jesus, because actually when he grew up and swung into action, he was able to bring to people more help than any powerful human could produce, even raising some from the dead. They were taking frankincense because that was God they were going to meet. And then myrrh. Myrrh is a little bit of a surprise. It's a bit like you know how you play with uh, presents under the tree and you try and guess which one's yours and what it might be. Well, just imagine if you were just feeling your way around this present and it felt a bit like a coffin. Slightly odd, isn't it? Where myrrh is that kind of present. It's a burial spice. You put it on a dead body normally. Which, again, is interesting. It's like saying, even at the baby stage, that it's death, his death, that would make him special. Now, maybe therefore these wise men were happy because they understood something about how if a baby would grow up to be perfect and then die in our place, it could bring full and free forgiveness to the people he died for. And that would have been a reason for them to be joyful as well. Maybe that's why they were so happy, because they understood that their little gifts was a little reflection of the great gift that God was going to give his world through a king, through being God there with people at close quarters and by bringing God's forgiveness. And therefore, it might just be the reason why they were so happy. So, put the two together and you've got wise men and you've got here the two different uh, reactions that you get at Christmas. And it may help for us to understand that all of us really are going to react one way or the other don't normally see it like that. There was a time once, long, long ago, when I had a proper job. And uh, I used to work in the city, and I would call myself in those days a spiritual neutral in that. I was not that enthusiastic about God, I must admit. I didn't mind it, however, if other people were. I was neutral. But when I stopped and thought about it, I realized that It wasn't actually quite like that. Because if God had put a king in his world, and that king was meant to be my king, and I refused to treat that king as my king, 
then it meant that I was effectively de-inherit. Not in the same baby-killing way, but in a gentler, quieter, but nonetheless as determined way, I was saying, no, I'll stick to what I want. I don't want change. Now, it is actually a wonderful thing when God used the Bible to show us, if you like, a mirror to how we are ourselves. Because that's how he does it. That's how the Bible works. God speaks to us today through the kind of things we learn about him from this book. And the wonderful thing about actually realizing if we are a bit like Herod is it then opens up the possibility of change. So we go from dressing like that to, well, being sensible and not dressing like this but being wise. But how do you end up being wise? What's the secret to being wise? I think there is a one <coughs> word answer and that is humility. Just imagine for a moment, just think, just imagine yourself into this position. Ah. Um. Right, for the sake of the tape, we, we nearly lost sound. Uh, nearly lost sight, but not sound. Uh, and that's been restored to... Where was I? Humble. Imagine yourself. Just imagine yourself like this. Imagine yourself being a person like this. Where you say that you would love to be led by someone who is more qualified to be your king than you are. Just imagine that you would love to come close to God and to stay close to God throughout 2016 in a way that that has never been quite done before. Imagine that uh, you would have every uh, mistake and wrong turning in the past completely forgiven so you live with a brand new life. Just imagine. It takes humility to imagine like that. But it brings great joy to think like that. That's what the wise men experienced. And that is where the road to humility leads as well. Not to a train crash and disaster, but to a brand new life that is well-led, that is wonderfully close to God, and that is uh, wonderfully uh, free uh, and forgiven. What happens if, okay, you have understood that and you've asked God to be your king? What are the things that might make this a really happy Christmas? There are lots of things that make it a happy Christmas. I mean, actually, I think a night like this makes it a happy Christmas. And there's plus, plus, plus from this week onwards with the different things that are coming down the track. But what might make it a really good thing 
in view of all the other good things that are coming our way. I want to suggest that actually it would be a good thing for us to turn the corner into this new week, into Christmas week, using those first Christmas presents as a prompt to help us to find our joy in what's really significant about Jesus being born. And in other words, find your joy in the fact that actually he is your personal king and is in charge and leading you through in all the different little day-to-day decisions that need to be made. Find your joy in the fact that actually there is great closeness that there will be, there won't be a single day this year when that closeness is uh, removed uh, because actually there's a new relationship with God that uh, uh, Jesus has created. And then thirdly, remember the forgiveness through all the flops and the failures that 2016 will bring because we do make mistakes. It is just lovely as it is to know that there is a new day and new forgiveness uh, in each um, failure that we have. Now those three gifts were a little reflection of God's great gift and I think the gold, frankincense and myrrh can be prompts for us to show us the king that the wise men were uh, really happy about. It says that uh, uh, they rejoiced and rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and that could be our experience too. It might even make us sing when we finally get to the final carol that we get this time meaning it. The Hark the Herald Angels sing glory to the newborn king. But that will come at the end. Let me pray first and then you can fire away and shoot me down with questions or comments you'd like to make. Let me pray first before we do that. Our Father, we thank you that there's absolutely no reason for us to be troubled about Jesus being our King because it only leads to rejoicing exceedingly with great joy when we discover that truth ourselves. So please would you give us the humility to seek Jesus this Christmas as our King, as our God, and as the forgiver of our sins. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.